0: Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I am John Agroni, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he is a freelance film writer, and he's got a new novel he's working on. I hope it doesn't get him killed. It's Will Ashton.
1: No, I do have to admire, so they, this is like in the span of five years this this character wrote like five books.
0: Yeah, yeah, book a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, is that? But, I mean, I based like,
0: on based on the word, like the way those books are written, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of get it.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was always kind of curious when, like, people, you know, the other characters are inflating her ego a little bit. It's like you're a hell of a writer, you know. Just kind of, it's a weird balance because I don't want to get ahead too early, but like, I kind of took the beginning of the movie to be like kind of tongue in cheek and like a parody of the sort of. Like you know, airport throwaways or novels, but then in the movie she's supposed to be kind of like acclaimed for her writing. So it's a little, I was a little are airport that.
0: novelists kind of acclaimed though by their little bubbles? That's been I, my experience in the publishing industry. Well, the, I mean, what you're saying is this movie doesn't have that person who comes in who's just like your book stinks. Hmm. I just don't really
1: know if I fully understood the intent of the beginning of the film. Uh, is what I'm trying to say. And or I mean, the broader
0: question, I mean, imagine, imagine somebody like Malcolm Gladwell, right? Sure. Uh, you know, like, these folks are, yeah, like, if you read any of their stuff, you're like, wow, this is terrible. But mm. they have a ton of fans. And people are just like, wow, you know, because when you come face to face with a celebrity, who even a celebrity, like, at that level, who is, like, maybe not face recognition, but it's like, mm. well, you know them for their work, you could still be a little starstruck. I think that's pretty normal, well, isn't it?
1: I haven't read any of Gladwell's books, and I, I feel like we're already veering off the topic of Argyle, But I, I, the vibe I kind of got from his books is that like he takes kind of I don't know like philosophical like you know like freshman year philosophy sort of questions and kind of taps them down into something that is approachable to you know anyone probably like fourteen years or older. And so like because of that, you know, people who uh, I'm not going to say anything about Gladwell's fans because like I said, I haven't read his books or anything, but. I just kind of got the vibe that, like, because he's able to do things in a fairly uncomplicated but approachable sort of way, that that's the key to success. Is that unfair um,
0: to say? So be- based on what I've read, he is somebody who, it, it to me, it's not that he simplifies complicated things. It's that he uses the wrong data to say the wrong things wrongly. <laughs> he He's, like, kind of famous for, like, you need to practice 10,000 hours to to learn to to be a master at something and there are just countless problems with that conclusion he arrived at and like the data that he used to get to that point has been mm-hmm. like readily disproven over and over again and so it's like to me it's not even that he's trying to present he's just tries he tries to find like a scintillating hook for things uh well, i haven't read all of his books but uh, i'm not a fan of malcolm gladwell personally i'm sure he's probably a hoot and a half but
1: i mean like that seems to be I don't know. I, I have heard that expression, but it seems like there's a nu- a small nugget of truth in there, which is like if you do something long enough, you'll probably get pretty good yeah, yeah. at it. And like he just tried to come up with some phony baloney statistics to how that makes scientific sense, and there, that was wrong.
0: He tried to put like but, a framework around it, but is that what, you know,
1: it's is that kind of the gist of it?
0: A little bit, a little bit. And I, I'm sure people when they tapped the art, you know, Argyle Review, of CinemaHolics podcast they're like, they better start off with some Malcolm Gladwell tea spilling, because otherwise, how else can you properly discuss a Matthew Vaughn movie? But yeah, no, uh, we're talking about Argyle, which this is uh, the latest Matthew Vaughn flick. Matthew Vaughn, well known for plenty of films. He used to be the producer on a couple of Guy Ritchie films, and then he went on to direct X-Men First Class. Well, sorry, he he His first movie was Layer Cake, and and he did Stardust and Kick Ass. Like he did he did movies before X Men: First Class, but I guess like aside from Kick Ass, which I I think it did get like plenty of attention, I think X Men: First Class is like kind of what broke him into not the I'm not going to say the mainstream, but brought a, brought more awareness to the guy as a uh, as a director. Or do you do you think it was Kick Ass bigger than I no, remember?
1: No, yeah, Kick Ass was pretty big, at least in like. You know, when I was a teenager and like those kind of circles, I, I mean, it had a pretty big. I mean, I I can't say Aaron Taylor Johnson is like you know a superstar at this point, but I feel like it did kind of pave the way for him having like a little bit of a like leading man surgeons and stuff like Godzilla. But for for me, the big thing I remember about that movie outside of kind of announcing Vaughn is like being this sort of colorful poppy, you know, not given a f you, you know what, especially after Stardust. Well, not only that, but it's like like the one 2 punch of like that and like Watchmen the year before was kind of like, OK, now comic book movies are evolving. Like we mm-hmm. had Iron Man and the Dark Knight in 2008. And it's like they're kind of becoming more accessible to a broader audience and to a more adult audience. The irony, of course, is that Kick-Ass is a very immature and gleefully like juvenile kind of film, but but a lot more coarse and, and violent and extreme than like comic book movies outside of like Blade. And a few other examples could be at that time.
0: Yeah, I like but, to cite uh, Kick Ass as like the the correct predecessor to The Boys, which I mean also sure. based on a comic. But yeah, that just sort of um, tongue in cheek, like hey, let's do the superhero thing, but let's actually say something about it.
1: But I feel like the big thing about Kick Ass was that I mean it started Chloe Grace Moretz's like film career. I feel like oh yeah, and, like I mean she was in like the she was
0: another stuff, but I mean that just kind of blew her up as a uh, right. hit girl. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then it also kind of I feel like gradually paved the way for like the Nicolas Cage resurgence because I remember at the time like people were kind of waning him off at that point like they were kind of yeah he, he was, was like he sorcerer. was doing kind of
0: weird movies at the time that like mm-hmm. nobody was watching I think Sorcerer's Apprentice yeah. it was like a year later <laughs> yeah. right
1: but like I just feel like, I mean obviously like in the 2010s like he, he would have a lot of like Redbox time kind of movies because he yeah. had a lot of bills to pay but like I, I remember that movie being a common talking point of like oh he can still act because like this movie is like It's ironic, but also, like, very sort of earnest and, like, emotional performance from him. And I think, you know, broadly speaking, though, it's more about Matthew Vaughn, I think, being at the right place at the right time, which is there is a sensibility in the 2010s of being kind of, you know, like, it's like the rise of, like, Reddit and, like, the sort of idea of, like, the audience, I think, maybe not wanting something that was you know like playing to all the cliches and playing yeah, it was
0: the fans the fans of the spider-man movies the sam raimi spider-man mm. movies and the x-men movies being like okay well let's let's try something else like let's let's go for a different vibe something that gets rid of that earnestness yeah. people liked the dark knight but they you know they wanted they wanted a little bit more edge but they didn't want to lose the whole action comedy of it well, all and to be clear vaughn is somebody who i think is not an action comedy director. He's a comedy action director, if that's fair to say. Sure, yeah.
1: I think that's fair. I mean, because of his association with Guy Ritchie, I think people kind of put the emphasis on the action. But, I mean, 2010, I just feel like, it, it's weird to think about it now, but, like, I just feel like it was, like, the rise of, like, sort of, like, ain't cool kind of movies, like, anti cool news mm. stuff, where it's, like, that and Scott Pilgrim were, like, becoming, like, it was, like, the rise of, like, internet kind of films. Like, films that, you know, I, I think, like something like snakes on a plane kind of jumped the gun as far as like, oh, people are talking about it online. So therefore, right. there's an audience for it. But there was a sort of growing like organic sort of word of mouth. I think that that's that something like kick ass, I think, really benefited from. like yeah, obviously it, was it, was still the, it was still the yeah.
0: early days of Twitter and Facebook and Reddit, like you said. And mm-hmm. I remember these days because both of us were like coming of age around this time. I'm in college. I worked at a movie theater when Stardust, Kickass, and X-Men First Class all came out. Although I think First Class came out right after I left the movie theater. So uh, I saw all three of Vaughn's movies yeah. kind of hit. Uh, I mean, you know,
1: I, I do think Stardust is good, but I don't, I don't think it quite... It, it seems like an outliner in his career, because it's a little bit more... It's more like Princess Bride, kind of. It's sure. Like, I, I don't feel like people associate... Like, I think when people think of Matthew Vaughn, they think of a certain type of film, and I feel like Stardust is a type of movie... That when you remind someone that he directed, kind of similar X Men First
0: Class, you're kind of like, oh yeah, like that was him, wasn't? it? <laughs> I mean, not not me necessarily. I think I I when I think Vaughn, I definitely think First Class. But in terms of Stardust, I remember people associate that movie more with Neil Gaiman. It's based on his work, and there was that like existing fan base. But I guess that's like my broader point. I think he he takes these things that are based on other things early in his career. So Stardust and Kickass and X-Men, I mean, they already have existing, like, source material. In X-Men's case, he was jumping into a franchise. And then, you know, and with X-Men First Class, he, I I don't think, arguably, I think it's a fact that he saved the X-Men movies, like, so that they could have at least one more decent one before, like, three or four terrible ones after that. But, yeah, I think that, like, with First Class, that's kind of what put him on the map in terms of, like, okay... Like we knew this guy could make, you know, an an entertaining movie. Kick ass was entertaining and it kick ass was definitely a hit for what it was. It like we said, launched Chloe Moretz's career, and Aaron Taylor Johnson started getting more steady work after that and, and whatever. With X-Men First Class, that was a huge hit. And it was like the first good X-Men movie since X two. I think after so X three and X-Men Origins Wolverine were both like pretty disappointing. people were like, It's kinda it's kinda over, but we still have to make these movies because Spider Man Two made all this money. Dark Knight, Iron Man, like superhero movies are making all this money, and Fox was like, "We don't want to be left in the lurch." And Fantastic Four, we'll make money with that in 2015, I'm sure they were saying. But no, yeah, I think Vaughn kind of like earned his stripes with that movie. And the interesting thing with First Class is that First Class was kind of like, "Hey, let's let's take the X Men, like the superhero stuff, and make it kind of like have a spy edge to it. Let's have a little bit of espionage." And you could tell that. From this point on like Vaughn was like I like spy stuff. I like spy things and I'm going to keep doing that because then he starts doing the Kingsman movies and Kingsman the Secret Service just a few years later that was when he started to be like I I want to start to like create my own kind of uh, cause also based on a, a comic book by the way so it wasn't his own thing but uh, I think Mark Millar also Mark Millar also did kick ass I want to say too.
1: Yeah I mean that was kind of the thing right is that like yeah, I feel like he was kind of returning to the basics of kick-ass not that i feel like he veered too far with x-men first class but it just kind of seemed like to me like the one-two punch of kick-ass and kingsman was kind of like what defined matthew i I do agree that like as far as his career profile that something like x-men first class certainly was a big stepping stone but i feel like i just don't associate that particular film as much with his filmography but i can see why you do and I do like that movie I think it's actually one of his better ones to be fair but yeah I think with kick with Kingsman and then the second one and eventually the prequel I feel like that's like the first movie was where I again it was like the 2010s and even though that was like what 2014 like I just felt like yeah people were really into that sort of thing I remember having a great time when I watched at the theater you know, it's, it, it it's kept...
0: my personal favorite of his filmography. I mean, Kingsman Secret Service, I can still rewatch it. It, it doesn't age super well in certain respects, as you and I sure. have talked about before, but I think it's his cleanest movie, not in, not in every way, but it just in terms of like sense of identity. It's like, I think it's exactly the movie he wanted to make. I think it's the best action he's ever put together in a movie. It's just more complete. Mm-hmm. And I think like Golden circles like more of it. And so I certainly appreciated it because like I like Kingsman and sure. the, the, I was like, there's more of this please." But I think it it left a kind of like I don't know like a, a people weren't satiated by Golden Circle. They were like you know what the first Kingsman did was it was like let's take the the Bond stuff and parody it, but let's parody it in a way that it hasn't been parodied before because people have been parodying the sort of like Sean Connery, Roger Moore, even Pierce Brosnan style James Bond for ages. Mm-hmm. At that time, we were still getting Daniel Craig Bond movies like uh, readily, but. This was sort of like, we're going to do that, but we're going to have we're going to have a lot of comedy and we're going to have a lot of action to the point where people can, I think, reasonably disagree over. Is this action comedy or comedy action? I lean more toward comedy action because I don't think there's enough seriousness in this movie to say that it's action comedy. But I, I can see the argument. You know, I just don't think Matthew Vaughn likes to make action comedies. But sure. this may be his closest.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's fair to say that that is sort of like a parody of the Bond. Genre, but it did kind of feel like a reprieve of like the Roger Moore 80s era of Bond, where just you know, it was kind of like throwing the kitchen sink out sort of thing, where just like you know, a ton of weird stuff, like you know, cars or boats that became cars and like Moonraker and all this. Oh, wait, no, sorry, Moonraker is Connery, but what's the one I can't think of it? I don't know. I just know that Uh, all
0: his majesty's secrets are Are, no, are you thinking of hold on? Let me think of Roger Moore is not my favorite Bond.
1: Uh, I actually have a, a very soft spot for Roger Moore as Bond. I don't think he has the best Bond films, but I think he's he's one of the best Bond actors, if that makes sense. Octopussy? Uh, yeah, I think I was thinking of Octopussy, to be fair. Uh, but, you know, I just it just kind of felt like
0: he, you oh, know, he did do Moonraker. You were right.
1: Oh, it was right. OK, cool. I, would, I was wondering, I should...
0: too, because I was like, huh, is that really Roger Moore? But OK. In
1: any case. But I mean, it just felt like good counterprogramming, I guess, to the dour post nine eleven. 11 Craig Bond films that are just very dour and serious and it's like we can't awesome. have fun yeah I mean yeah some of them were, just some you know were yeah but yeah but yeah I mean I think yeah I think it was a little bit more than that I think it was just sort of like you know I, I until Skyfall sort of changed things around I feel like people treated Kingsman like the next Bond because of how mixed they were with like Quantum of Solace and they weren't 100% sure like if the Craig Bond was going to work out if it was just kind of like a fluke sort of
0: thing but mm, I never got the vibe that people were like oh this is a this is the next Bond. I to me people just got like oh this is what a spy action movie can be. Like people were liking the balance of the tones here cuz it it was just one of those kinds of movies that like it, I don't know it 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 had enough action so that you could be like this is comic book ish. Like this is kind of like straddling that line. It's like first class but like more comedy and the action is definitely more grounded but it's still stylized and it's doing all the spy stuff at the forefront. It's got its own lore, its own mythology, Michael kane of it all. And yeah, I, I think that it was just different enough at the time that people were like, oh, this is like a new I saw it being like, this is a new kind of thing of, of what we've gotten before rather than, oh, this is ushering the a new era of the same thing. I guess if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't say Kingsman is a grounded film in any respect, but I get what you're alluding to just compared then, i was just
0: comparing it to like the superpower stuff you know like the is sure. grounded in the sense that like people can't you know turn and they're not mutants, Sure. but like they can do still like very comic booky things like slice people with their legs
1: yeah but yeah i i do agree in the sense that like it did feel like the most like vaughn-esque and especially because like i feel like i don't know if it was maybe a coincidence that he dressed kind of more like the kingsman characters but i kind of get the vibe that like kind of similar like Wes Anderson looks and dresses like a character in a Wes Anderson movie and Tim Burton looks and dresses like a character in Tim Burton movie. I feel like now like Matthew Vaughn just looks and dresses like a Kingsman. I feel like that's just kind of his weird warped perception of like what like the movie should be, which is, you know, fine in its own right. But I agree that like Golden Circle, I like we mentioned this before already, but like I, I I think you were kinder to it than I I, I just had mixed feelings. But I just felt like, I admire the ambition. I admire the the gumption of it. I think it was just a little bloated and a little like messy in its approach. It didn't really feel as like sure footed. I think as the first Kingsman movie.
0: Um, I do it, think that movie does kind of reek of production issues, which I'm not totally sure if that if that actually was the case. Maybe I,
1: I I do think, though, that there's something to be said about his working with these sort of bombastic comic book movies probably did warp his perception of, like, how to, like, play up stakes and tone. And I think that's part of the reason why his his most recent films, like I said, I haven't seen the most recent Kingsman movie, the third one. But it does seem like some of the problems from Argyle sort of derive from, like, maybe him learning the wrong lessons from why Um. people responded to Kingsman and and Kick-Ass.
0: I'm glad, I'm glad you touched on this because I think that Golden Circle and Argyle kind of have the same issue where they clearly seem to be, they're not as standalone as they should be by the time you get to the end of it. In the sense of Golden Circle, the issue there was like, they killed off a character who clearly it was like unceremonious and it was like, well, she's probably survived, but nothing. We, they never talk about her again. So like maybe she's going to, you just get the sense of like he had a plan for like a third movie, but then maybe they figured out along the way that they weren't going to do a third movie. So you still have this like awkward sort of, I don't know, just care that the move, the golden circle issue, I think was the villain was a little bit too stupid. And I, I think they just kind of lost the plot with the America stuff. And I think they kind of maybe changed some things at the last second. Cause they're like, Oh, we're not going to do a third. movie, we're going to do a prequel. I don't know if that's true at all. They, they might've just the bad, I don't remember if the box office was even bad. I mean, actually, no, it didn't have bad box office. Four hundred and ten million. I mean, maybe along the way, he was like, I don't want to make this a trilogy. I want to go. I want to do this prequel or whatever.
1: I I think it was more that latter thing. I I seem because I I do. I mean, they got a third movie. So, like, I I mean, I feel like it has at least decent business.
0: I think I think the way that I am seeing Matthew Vaughn kind of percolate with all this stuff is I think that. He wanted to sort of buck the trend of doing a trilogy and start to craft these spin-offs and do all these different things. That's how we get to Argyle, which, you know, not the biggest spoiler in the world that Argyle is in the Kingsman universe. They kind of treat it as a big deal. But I think by the time you get to the end of the movie, most people watch are going to be like, "Eh, OK, like it's not a big it's it's not like the end of Iron Man being like, oh, there's going to be more, you know, sure. Marvel uh... characters in this. I I was going to
1: kind of treat that as a spoiler, but if if that's off the table, I was going to say when I saw the movie, I saw it during like a weekday screen. I didn't see it like at a press screen or anything like you did. So it was just, you know, kind of Joe Schmoe's types. And uh, (laughs) it was just really funny to me because when that came about, you know, there's maybe about like eight other people in the theater. You know, most of the people like me were just sort of just like indifferent to that reveal. But there was a guy in the way front. Who was just like what?
0: <laughs> like, there, like there the were only, yeah. I wish I had seen it with an audience. And I saw it at a press screening, and it was a midday one. So like, there was just like, oh no, it wasn't midday. It was at night. But like, there weren't that many people in the audience. Well, I
1: mm-hmm. feel like our audiences were probably pretty similar then, because it was just like I saw like an evening screening. Just quiet. The audience just yeah, it was just kind of just quiet. Like no one really like were react like in a good or bad way. It just was like people were like. Like there was maybe one guy behind me who had chuckled a couple times. I might have like chuckled once.
0: It was I, I chuckled very, towards like, the beginning of the film. I don't I don't think I chuckled at all afterward. But but before we get to that, I think the finer point that I wanted to land on is that I think that he just he wants to set up a Kingsman three. I do think he wants to bring back Colin Firth and Taron Egerton and, and a few other characters who I guess are still alive from that universe. I, I bet they're kicking themselves for killing off Pedro Pascal. I think they killed off Pedro Pascal. I don't actually remember in Golden Circle. Because he was still like, he wasn't as like, you know, dad of the internet as he is, or like hot, hot dad uncle of the internet like he is today. You look at me quizzically, but do you know of like the Pedro Pascal, like, oh, I know, obsessed I know. fan? Okay, I was going to say, I was like, I, he's I don't like wanna...
1: everyone's, everyone's resident gunkle, I think is what I've heard
0: he, him called as. He's a here he, the problem is he's a little overexposed, which is risky, but he, yeah, yeah he has the charisma to weather it for now, I think.
1: I kind of, I don't know, I mean, especially. Considering another film we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, is he charismatic or is he a good actor? Like, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, I would I, say I,
0: both. I, I've seen I've seen enough good stuff from the guy that I think that I don't I think he's quite a good actor. I, I think Last of Us definitely cemented that for a okay. lot of other people who were maybe on the fence. But I, I you didn't this, see so that. Maybe that yeah, so, yeah. yeah, He's very, very good in Last of Us. And he had he had there were high expectations for us on him. But anyway, he's not in this movie. <laughs> Sure. Um, but no, I bring that up because I think the only stuff that has to do with Kingsman in the movie, which I don't that's why I don't consider it a spoiler. It doesn't have anything to do with the movie itself. It's sort of tacked on as like, oh, yeah. So, OK, the, the Kingsman thing is also in this universe. And we kind of are setting up another kind of like thing. I'm just going to give it away. So if you don't want to know. I'm, I'm going to give it away now. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think the movie is even going to happen. Based on the box office returns of Argyle, but basically they're they're setting up like what looks to be like an eighties nineties Kingsman movie that's going to feature the an Argyle esque character, but different. And I don't know. I think I think Vaughn just kind of wanted to do his own Marvel Cinematic Universe action. Is that fair to say? That's what he wanted to do. And I think.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it was the he wants the MVCU, I guess, the Matthew Vaughn Cinematic Universe. Yes,
0: I was going to say, because it's not really the like, (laughs) because Argyle is not 20th Century Fox, right? Uh, So this is um, Apple Original Films and and Universal Pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and full disclosure, as usual, I do work for Apple, but I do not work for Apple TV and I have nothing to do with this stuff.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that does. I I do want to I have a lot of points to say about that whole thing but I don't want to jump ahead because it seems like you're going to be introduced in the film. So I'll let you do that now.
0: Sure. I, I would love to introduce the film. Let's it's about time. We did. We're about 23 minutes in. So as we mentioned, this is Matthew Vaughn, but he did not write the movie. Uh, he write, and it's interesting. He writes most of his movies. And the last time he didn't write a movie was layer cake. So he writes virtually all of them. And the, I think about it, but yeah, this is the first time in his career. He hasn't directed one or written and directed since his first film. Instead, he had Jason Fuchs. You remember Jason Fuchs? Well, Ashen, you know this guy. Uh, you know what he's done to me? No. Was he an actor before he was a writer? So, yes, he he has appeared in certain films such as Flipper, uh, Mafia, the Hebrew Hammer. Um, <laughs> mm,
1: okay, uh, he, he has
0: like a small role in uh, La La Land, and his last acting role was uh, It Chapter Two. Okay. But he, these are all kind of like bit roles. Like, I mean, not really. Gotcha. But okay. As a screenwriter, or we should uh, actually, I should say he has done TV stuff too. I I kind of skipped over that, but uh, he was in The Sopranos. He played Junior. Hey,
1: Gabig- wait, you say he was Junior?
0: Junior Sontag.
1: Oh, okay. I was going
0: to say. <laughs> like- yeah, not that guy. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I was like, what? But you yeah, know, so he, Jason Fuchs, is a screenwriter. Here, here are the movies he 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 has written that he, that he's done: Ice Age, Continental Drift, Pan, and I Still See You. Now, I still see you. I've never even heard of this movie. It's a Bella Thorne movie, so I think we can leave it at that. He has a story hmm. credit on Wonder Woman. That's it. The first, and one? and then Pan, which I mean, God help us.
1: He he wrote the he helped write the first Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman
0: 1984. Wonder Woman 2017. Okay. So the first one, I just, I just have a question last year because Matthew Vaughn, he's made some films that have made great box office X-Men first class Kingsman golden Circle, as We just established the Kingsman didn't do super well, but I think people kind of give him a, Matthew Vaughn a pass for that because of like COVID stuff. And, you know, and also Kingsman, I, you said you didn't see it, it, it made 126 million at the box office. I, I I kind of respect the movie for what it is, but it is kind of stupid. It has one good scene with, like, Rasputin. The rest of it's a bit of a slog. Otherwise, like, it's not the biggest miss. And also, it's hard not to love Ray Fine in anything, for me at least. How did Jason Fuchs get this job? Like, how, how does he get his hands on this movie? I do not understand Hollywood because there are so many talented screenwriters and they turn to somebody who has never, like, turned in a script like are we gonna are we gonna say ice age continental drift is his best movie i'm about to
1: i kind of get the vibe i don't know when stuff like this happens i feel like what happens is that they write like a really strong like blacklist script that like kind of like gets into development hell but it's like enough to give him jobs and other movies i don't know if that's the case with this dude or if that's you know if he just kind of worked his way through the ladder however so but I I do know that this is based on a book or a series of books as well, Well, also named Argyle.
0: Yes, but that was also sort of part of Matthew Vaughn's sort of like, I'm going, it was all kind of concocted by Vaughn. So to me, this is like a screenwriter for hire type situation because Vaughn himself, like he wanted to license another author to write the books and to tie the books in with the movies and to make a whole Argyle series that would like cross media platforms. That was the idea. And he started, that's why he started working on this as early as like 2021 when the King's man came out. Right. So that was the plan, but they apparently they couldn't make it happen in certain ways, but they did have like somebody ghost write the book so that there is a book called Argyle written by Ellie Conway. Haven't read it. But it's there's not a real Ellie Conway in the movie. Ellie Conway is a character played by Bryce Dallas Howard. I think the idea that Vaughn was going for was like people like John Negroni, who love stupid fan theories and love these like meta things. They're going to eat this up. Guys like Johnny Johnny N. I'm like, Matthew Vaughn, it is not 2013 anymore. We moved on like this kind of stuff is just exhausting now. Like I. There's too yeah. many streaming services, Will Ashton. I can't keep up with media anymore. It's a me thing. Well, I'm that's. The I mean,
1: no, no, no. I I think that kind of gets into what I think is fascinating about the film is that it feels like everything it's is trying, trying to so do. so hard. Everything. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a Matthew Vaughn film, but <laughs> it's trying too hard, but it's also being ironic and cheeky about it. But no, I I think it's it's more like you said, like it's trying to like introduce. The cinematic universe. It's its continuing the sort of sensibility of Matthew Vaughn popularized in the 2010s. And it's going for, you know, like you said, like a cross media kind of thing that was probably very kitsch and very popular if it had been done in like 2016 or 2017. But everything about it kind of feels like, you know, it's kind of past its sell date at this point. Like it's kind of getting into this too late when people are kind of more, I mean, I can't speak broadly, but not the superhero genre is kind of more in state of flux since been probably in half my lifetime you know since like mm. 20, 2008 you know now that like the idea of like cinematic universes are you know I, not dead but i feel like people are kind of more inclined to like see movies that are like i don't know like oppenheimer or like barbie where it's like a little bit more like new but different like it's it's like the yeah, idea of like sell me you know, on a sport. good
0: pitch a good premise not the premise is that it, it's a continuation of something else you already recognize uh,
1: sorry i meant to say familiar but different not new but different but sure but yeah it, basically i feel like this whole concept that we kind of joked already that it's very similar to the lost city from a few years ago but it, it just feels like a very 90s kind of script like I mean, it's core like it, the idea of like a you know a spy novelist actually gets into like a spy kind of scenario and it has like kind of the the plot mechanics of like kind of like a star driven film that like someone like you know Cameron diaz and like tom cruise yeah, would be in like 1996
0: well let, let yeah. me properly set it up so the story as you've just alluded the movie starts with a scene from the book and unless you've watched a trailer you wouldn't know right so we see henry cavill and your first clue that like something's off here is that his haircut is a nightmare I loved it. I, I hope he keeps it. And he's kind of just dressed as like a high, a Japanese high schooler with like the jumpsuit and the buttons. And well, I know you don't watch like anime or anything, but I think which, which surprised me considering you're wearing a T-shirt with like the picture of like a shih tzu on it. So I'm like, that's the most anime kind of shirt I've ever seen. But bar having actual anime on it. But anyway we see him kind of going on this like typical, like kind of a, a heightened James Bond movie, very Roger Moore, very Pierce Brosnan with like the, the, the suave charisma. And he goes up to Dua Lipa who plays this femme fatale. And then they kind of have this chase scene That's kind of like a mission impossible movie where it's like stupid and like the physics don't make sense, but it's supposed to be kind of thrilling or whatever. And then John Cena is in a Hawaiian shirt and he has a one liner and you're like, okay. So like, this is clearly something I this is the part of the movie where I'm laughing because I'm like, this is kind of fun because it's it's bad at it being a parody, but that almost feels like at least I feel like I'm in on the joke or something. And then it cuts to Bryce Dallas Howard as the author of the book, and she's reading it at a book signing, the most well-attended book signing I've ever seen. But regardless, the, the idea of people standing up and asking questions had me dying, like laughing at the movie. Well, that's- oh, my God. That's where I kind of
1: felt like, okay, this is where we're getting to like 1995, too. Yes. Like, this just where like, okay, you know, because I feel like I don't know, not to tie us into a totally different film, but like, American Fiction, you know, is another film that I feel like,
0: yeah, same vibe. It, it
1: has an, a very earnest but outdated sense of mentality as far as the publishing industry, where it's like, I I don't want to be like, no, this is wrong, because I would like to believe this is what the publishing industry can be like, but like, I live in 2024 and I recognize that. This is a very idealistic and outdated perception of what you know the book well, industry is like. Just idea, very few,
0: yeah. Just the idea of like a spy thriller like this. This isn't like the spy books. The popular ones, they're not like this at all. Like they are this sort of like comic booky, pulpy sort of like I've got my sidekicks. Not really. They're they're more like. The ones I think of are like Jack Reacher. They're a little bit more brooding. They're a little bit more serious and they're about something, man. You know what I mean? Like even even like the what's his face? I keep thinking like James Maxwell. You talking about James Patterson? Patterson. That's what I was thinking of Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell and uh, everything. uh,
1: Yeah, no, the thought that did cross my mind, and this movie will probably never be made, but I think would be 10 times more entertaining, at least to me, is the idea of like, a middle age or senior citizen guy like james patterson being forced into a sort of like james patterson like story <laughs> which obviously sure. is not spy related but it's like a murder mystery i guess that's what basically like only murderers in the building is i don't know i, don't, I haven't watched that show but i haven't seen that uh, either but i think that would be a more entertaining kind of knock at this premise than something like this which i think is well-meaning but just like i said just kind of feels touch in two different well, ways like not only in the okay, sense of like okay. It's out of touch in the sense like this kind of feels like an outdated premise, as far as like you know kind of a throwback, which can be fun. I'm not I'm not dismissing that out of hand, but it feels like the approach is trying to go for like a more contemporary thing, but that contemporary approach is already outdated. Like it feels like it's not attuned to the the now. So it feels like you know two throwbacks that aren't blending together. They're coming out like two to three decades late.
0: (laughs) Well, to to, to compliment what you're saying, eventually Bryce Ellis Howard's character comes into contact with Sam Rockwell's character and he's actually a spy. And he's like, Oh, I'm a big fan of yours. And he has to like protect her because there's this like rogue spy agency that believes that her books are somehow like predicting the future. And he tries to protect her from this like conspiracy thing. There are two, two problems with this movie that like two, two. I don't know, not the biggest problems, but there's two problems I just want to point out right now. How about that? One, audiences don't want this movie. People don't want a movie like this. I think we are past this. I think movies like Red Notice, uh, The Atom Project, I mean, pick like a Ryan Reynolds kind of action movie, disposable action movie you can watch on Netflix. People have gotten to the point where like, I don't want to watch like a comedic action movie in a movie theater. Unless it really like is good at the action. Like it's got to have enough of the spectacle to it. Like some of the better Marvel movies. Like, okay, I'm going to get like a very interesting sort of like world or something. But even then, movies like the Marvels, you know, Marvels wasn't successful. And I, I just think that people, audiences are starting to like, I don't know if desensitize is the right word. Like they're starting to look at these movies as like TV movies in terms of like, I only want to watch this at home because it might be a, a whatever distraction. I think like this movie is too, it's too airless. The action, the effects, the CGI, Kingsman the Secret Service looks 10 times better than this movie. And it came out nearly a, no, not nearly a decade ago. It came out a decade ago and it looks better. And to me, that's wild because this movie, I think, is just extremely ugly and it has a $200 million budget. It has double the budget of Kingsman the Secret Service. Not only that, they knew that this movie was coming out at a time where it could clean up at the box office because there's not much out. I've had so many conversations with people who are like, I don't know what to watch in theaters right now. I've seen the Oscar stuff, but th- there's really nothing playing. What do I do? And I'm like, well, you could see Argyle if you have two and a half hours. But I mean, it, it, I think people are looking at a movie like Argyle. and They'd be like, why would I see that in a theater? Why it's No. To, and it's wild because the marketing for this movie has been everywhere. The trailers have been everywhere. People know this movie exists and they're still saying no to it. So to what you're saying, I agree with you. Throwback premise. But here's the wild thing about it, Will. I do think it kind of, I do kind of, I don't hate this movie. I actually kind of like it a little bit. A little bit. Well, I kind of like I, this movie past was, the point where it, it just changes everything mm-hmm. up. I mean,
1: I, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more positive than you. Actually, I, I, I don't like the movie, but I, I was expecting to hate it just because the trailer, like you said, it's just, it was so omnipresent and it was just so annoying and it just felt the more you saw it, the more grating it was. And it just felt like too cute, too ironic too like, you know, like you said, airless. That's a really good word for like, what if it just felt Literally like there the was
0: punches a, are like hitting air. Like that's yeah. all I see when I think of this movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it just kind of just felt like like, you know, like I said before, it just kind of felt like we're past this. Like, why do we need this? But then like when you're watching it, like the beginning of the film, you know, like I, I can't say it's like a successful parody of obviously, but it's like at least it's like kind of like a, a amusing kind of premise. Like Dua Lipa is looking great. Henry Cavill and John Cena are looking, you know, suave and buff. And, and it-, it feels like it's playing into Matthew Vaughn's hand a little bit better. And it seems like I don't know, like, a movie that would have taken place in, like, an adaptation of this this book by Matthew Vaughn. I know this book doesn't really exist outside of the purpose of this film. But, like, the book in the movie would have been a better, I guess, vehicle for Matthew Vaughn than the thing that Matthew Vaughn actually made. Just because it seems like Matthew Vaughn can't really balance the, like, tone, like, it, the, the airlessness that comes into the the parody and and satire elements the, there's not a counterbalance with that when we get into like the real world stuff so like when it becomes a spy thing it doesn't feel like the tone oh it doesn't feel like a change it just kind of feels like more of the same you know what i mean like it doesn't really feel like it counters that balance it feels like matthew vaughn has just been kind of i don't want to say broken but it just feels like making these sort of quippy cutesy movies for like 10 years is kind of Inhibited him from quite capturing what this film needs to be ultimately
0: yeah there there are two movies he cites as the kind of movies that he really inspired him to do what he did with this movie, and they're die hard and lethal weapon and funny enough, I mentioned lethal weapon in my review. I thought of lethal weapon a bunch during the movie mm. because of like the sort of there was this kind of quality to it in terms of like, oh, I see that he's trying to do like a buddy action thing with Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard. I thought it kind of evolves that it goes, as it goes along.
1: I thought it was going to be more like Romance in Stone or something would have been like the influence. Well, that was more the Lost know, like,
0: City, right?
1: Yeah, sure. But I, just, I don't know. I feel like this movie and Lost City are not that different <laughs> to me. Well, they're
0: not that, that different in terms of what they are, but I do think they have very different sort of vibes, I guess. Now- my thing with this movie is that like okay so we go from like the cheeky cheesy whatever spy thing in her head and now we're going to go to like okay but what's like the spy movie of a spy thing in this version of reality where like ellie conway's into the action and for the most part it's like just as stupid and illogical and so like i'm kind of watching it and i'm like well what's right. like the so like i felt like the hood was kind of like you know thrown over my eyes or something or the wool what? let's throw over whatever that expression
1: Yeah, that's what I mean, though. It's like, I feel like the beginning, it's like fine for what it is. But like if somehow Matthew Vaughn could have gone back to sort of that layered grittiness that's in that stylish, but kind of more layered grittiness of like layer cake for like the scenes with like Sam Rockwell, it would have made like more of a kind of a stark impression. But I don't know. It just kind of feels like every scene sort of has the same sort of listless feel to it. Like it's it's like that's what
0: saves the movie for me is that like once it starts getting into that place, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not liking this. Then it was like, now we're gonna be a totally different movie. <laughs> and I'm like, sure. <laughs> well, that sounds great to me because I wasn't really enjoying that. And so I think like as it went along and it kept getting even more ridiculous, I was like, at least the energy of it is starting to be more consistent. And I know, I know people like with the twist are groaning their faces off. I didn't hate the twist. I actually was like, that's just stupid enough for me to buy in. And Once they go through it too, I'm like, oh, heck yes, this is exactly, this is just operating on a so bad it's good level for me that I, I gen I gave the movie a pass. I was like, you know Hmm. what? I, I don't, I didn't hate the experience. The only thing I hated about it was that it just was too long. It kept going. And also just the meta stuff around it. I'm just like, just be standalone. Maybe like I I said, this is my review. Maybe it is possible for a movie to have too many twists. I think it is because they just kept going with that, with it, and I was just like, "Wait, what? Uh, the heart and the bullet? Like, stop! Like, just end the movie! Like, we don't have to keep doing this."
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say like I had like a roller coaster of emotions because like I was pretty, I'd say stoic, I guess, throughout. Like, I was just kind <laughs> yeah, of just
0: along with the a Henry
1: during this thing. Yeah, I was just kind of just like, but like at the beginning, I'm like, okay, you know, like when it's the, you know, like the the book within the book or the book within the movie or whatever when I call it movie within a movie. I was kind of with it. Like I said, I kind of enjoyed the amused sort of way, like the over the top, you know, spy parody. It felt like in Matthew Vaughn's vein when it was just, you know, with Bryce Dallas Howard and like Catherine O'Hara, I just wasn't really, I was kind of back to like, okay, this seems drawn out kind of cliche. I know where this is going, but then Sam Rockwell gets into it and I'm like, okay, this is like a perfect vehicle for Sam Rockwell. It's t- entirely relying on his charms. It feels like the type of role we haven't seen from Sam Wa- Rockwell like, since he's kind of gotten more prestige credit and like, you know, since three billboards outside of Missouri, it's like, you know, it's, it's more springy and he's kind of reminds bit more... me like when he
0: did that movie, then Anna Kendrick, you know, then what was it oh, called? The, the right Max guy. One.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it does have a similar vibe to that Max Landis film. I, I guess it's slightly better, but I don't know what that, I don't know what that really says, but you know, it Mr. just allows him to, it's oh, something no, like sorry. that. Who Who cares? <laughs> but. You know, like it allows him to dance, and he's, you know, like it seems like he's kind of having I don't want to say like fun, but he's like you know he's he's getting something out of it, I guess it seems like, and then you get like all these stars, a lot of people I like, like Brian Cranston and Sam Rockwell and or sorry, Samuel Jackson's way meant to say, and, yeah so uh, can I
0: just say Samuel Jackson and Sophia Butella, it, it seemed to be in this movie as a favor, like a personal favor to Matthew Vaughn because there's no need for these actors, like these actors are like shot in one location, basically. And I'm like, oh, cause you were in other things uh, yeah. because, cause that's the thing, isn't it? That like, it, this is supposed to be in the Kingsman universe. And I guess we're just doing that thing. We're like, okay, they just look very much like these other Kingsman characters. Right. They could yeah. not possibly be that. Whatever. That's fine. I but anyway, care. I
1: mean, when it's just, you know, when it's Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell together, I was like, kind of, I, I was agreeable with it, I guess like they, they don't have like amazing chemistry, but they like, they play well together, I guess. I would and say they have also...
0: zero chemistry. I sure. think almost negative chemistry. I did I, not buy it, them it, as like a romantic thing at all. I don't all, buy to the them... point where I was like, Oh, the movie's not going to do that. I was like, perfect.
1: Sure. I, I, I agree. And so it's like, I don't buy them as romantic partners as like kind of embittered. Like, well, we got to do this sort of thing. That's and what, and yeah, that the buddy,
0: of... the buddy comedy part of it. I was like, yes, like the sort of like, he's like roping her along, like, it was so platonic to me. And and the movie does kind of have its own explanation for that eventually. To like to its credit, like it it does kind of have a reason for why there isn't really romantic chemistry there. But do we just want to spoil this movie at this point? Do, do we need to keep I laboring mean, it?
1: We're like 45 minutes into this, and and we already spent like 12 of those minutes talking about Matthew Malcolm uh Gladwell. So if anyone's still listening and, and doesn't <laughs> care about spoilers, I, I had to commend them at this point.
0: <laughs> because yeah th- there are so many things that happen in this movie that i'm just like do you ever have moments when you're watching a movie where you're like that's so stupid and i'm out like i do not you know this happens to me a lot with like the dceu like early on uh, and i just yes get no. mad at the movie
1: i don't know i feel like so- it's more like like something like last night in soho where it's like i buy yes. it when it's like a certain Good. vibe but then like when that vibe changes and it's just kind of like flimsier and and like the movie doesn't like you know, it doesn't have the stakes it had before. That's when I kind of check out, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, checking out is the perfect way to put it. This movie, I never had that moment with this movie. I I think that I just went along with it. And I know a lot of other critics couldn't do it. And and I get it. But for me, I I think there's just something about like the Catherine O'Hara performance in this. Even like th- there's some actors in here who I think aren't in this enough. And I got the sense that like, OK, you got John Cena and Ariana DeBose only because there's going to be other movies. Because like they don't really do anything here. Really, like Henry Cavill gets to do a lot to his credit. And Brian Cranston gets a lot to do here. Catherine O'Hara gets a lot to do here. So I'm not complaining necessarily because I think that core cast is definitely like integral to the movie and it doesn't, you know, overly meander or whatever. But I don't know. That brings me to my main thing, which is when when all these twists are happening and the movie is kind of losing its footing in certain spots. What kind of pulls me through here is Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she's actually like pretty decent in this. And I cared about her as a character. I found her interesting and I bought it. Like, I think she just kind of sold it really well. I think it was just plain good acting. And I think that balance with Sam Rockwell also just always being lots of fun, even in like kind of a bit role that isn't written super well. He still has so much charm to him that like I was having fun watching these two characters do stupid stuff. And so by the end of the movie, I was like, you know what? I liked watching them do stupid stuff. We got two like sort of quasi Kingsman action sequences out of the movie that were pretty memorable, terrible CGI, but they were just again, stupid, but like, I can enjoy stupid things. I can enjoy ice skating on crude oil. That's why not? Nobody else has done it. Like to me, that was Matthew Vaughn just being like, well. I want to have an action set piece that hasn't been done before. And I, I can get, I can respect that. I will say, I mean, it was nice to just see
1: Bryce Dallas. I know she's done like the Jurassic world movies recently, but those kind of feel more like, I don't know, like the last two, of felt like she was there because she signed a contract. You know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like, you know, not that she did, gave a bad performance, but it didn't feel like she was like,
0: and she wasn't quite the lead, because- you know, like she was, she kind of like, she's definitely one of the leads, but well, I think sure, those but- movies are like, and they worship Chris Pratt.
1: Sure. But what I was going to say, though, is I, I was under the impression that Bryce Dallas Howard was kind of moving away from acting. And maybe she is. But like I know like she's like she she directed like an Apple documentary, Apple TV. I mean, like I know she's like done some episodes with the Star Wars series.
0: Good, and, like, good stuff with Star Wars. Like she's uh, in recognition for like she did like the one of the only good episodes of the book of Boba Fett. And mm-hmm. she did like a few of like really good episodes of The Mandalorian.
1: So I just kind of assumed that she was kind of following her like dad's footsteps and just kind of moving. She still into is. Directing. She's
0: she, yeah. She's directing stuff from the Star Wars Skeleton Crew hmm. uh, show that's going to be coming out this year. Like she she's still on it, and that's that's John well, Watts too. Like that's that's hmm. looking to be getting some hype.
1: In any case, I, I think initially I was just kind of it was like a warm kind of pleasant feeling for me to be like, oh, like Bryce Dallas Howard has like an actual lead role again, where she's like required to act. It was like I didn't think I'd get one of these for a little bit. <laughs> But then, like, for me, I don't know, and, and this is probably an inappropriate comparison, but like, I kind of got like a Willie Scott vibe from the way that her character is written at times. You know what I mean? Where it just kind of felt like they were trying. Like, I know Matthew Vaughn has issues, I'll say politely, with how he portrays women in his films. Yes. But like, I think it that just is kinda, more than fair. Yeah. It just kind of felt like this character felt like the parody of the sort of like 2014 Tumblr neurotic like, woman, and, like, you know, it's, like, I just kind of felt very, like, I don't know, just cliched and, like, kind of degrading for an actress like Bryce Dallas Howard, but, like, I think, like I said, like, I think not romantically, but platonically, I think she plays well with Sam Rockwell, and I think just his chemistry alone was really kind of helping, not to salvage it, but, like, make it more palatable, and I think, you know, like, the movie, to its credit, I think tries to rectify that in the later half, as far as, like, not making this character as passive or as like you know complaining or as well. Like there's white. even in the
0: early stuff like she kind of goes along with the adventure. Like she's not the constant reluctant hero, her heroine or sure. whatever. She's kind of why... like, oh, I have an idea. Like I, I could figure this out or like trust. You know, she does. I think a lot of that too comes from Howard, who is herself a director. And I think I can't even imagine. Like, I, I don't think this happened. I don't really credit Vaughn much is what I'm saying with the the characterization that we do get I I think Howard probably had a strong hand I've heard some rumors that she kind of pushed back against certain things that happened in the movie to the film's credit but at the same time I think I agree with you that like certain ways that she's written do feel very much like yeah a guy wrote that like and it kind of shows not that guys can't write female characters obviously but like you got to do it well, you know. The women have to write ma- male characters well too, but that requires a lot of empathy and self awareness and all that stuff.
1: But in any case, I don't know. I, I guess to your point, I, I guess I was willing to indulge this film to a point. It's not to say I checked out at any point, but it was just more like if this was just a. I, and I know, like, a film can be however long it wants to be, and and you know, I, I love a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon. There, it's like three and a half hours. And I was afraid that's like just purely indulgent three hours as well. But like this movie really need to be like 105 minutes, like at if two, yeah. two plus hours, like a trifle like this can't it can't sustain itself for like over <laughs> two hours. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, like and, and the, th- the sad thing is like towards the end, the stakes like-
0: need the stakes need to be big enough for two and a half hours, right? well the stakes like, in this movie are not don't match that that's the problem with doing a super long comedy action sure but like
1: the sad thing is that like the end of the film feels like where vaughn's actually getting more inspired and like more visually like there's a scene involving like like smoke what do you call it like the like the flares like the yeah you yeah know, like like it, it's like pure vaughn like it's actually a pretty fun like totally over the top but like goofy in the right sort of way matthew vaughn sequence it's like if this was the climax of the movie, I think I'd be fine with it and maybe even like give it a light like six out of ten or whatever. But like it just keeps going on and on after. Yeah, that. Yeah. it's just like I just kind of want this to wrap up, <laughs> Like, you know, I didn't just,
0: realize that they were using the like AI Beatles song oh, at, yeah, at a certain yeah. point now. And oh, then. yeah, I, I didn't we, realize that that was that
1: I, I thought that was so funny because it's just like, oh, yes, this is our song. Like, oh, yes, a song, that came, song out, that
0: came out like... that came
1: out three months before the movie came out. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, pretty, it's so apparently this movie takes place like years and years from now, huh? Yeah, no, I can't be mad at this movie. This movie is like if I if this movie was like my kid, you know, I'm always going to be proud of my kid, like even though they say the darndest things, this movie cost 200 million dollars to make. And it so far, it's made only around thirty nine point five million at the box office. It's going to be a flop. I think it would have to earn at least like four to five hundred million to just break even like based on the marketing that they put into this thing it's a disaster we have dune part two coming out soon we're only like what two weeks away from that and that's march 1st and and madam web is about to come out which i mean i'm not expecting madam web to you know (laughs) be much of a a box office darling or anything but like there's more there's other things coming out
1: yeah there's like lisa frankenstein is that gonna do well i have no idea but i don't know the
0: reviews haven't been very good for lisa frankenstein which i'm i'm sorry i'm sad to hear um, is that
1: our next review, by the way, or are we just gonna go do the end of the year twenty twenty three thing
0: i I don't think we can yeah, we still have to do our best movies of the year episode, so that I think we'll have to we'll have to figure it out in post. but this movie it, it's just i i am a little bit sad that the movie isn't taken off, but at the same time, like yeah, it doesn't deserve to <laughs> it just at most of the reviews I've seen from this have been very negative. We'll do the Rotten Tomatoes game and everything, but here, here's just one. This is from Riley. Riley said, one of the worst films ever made, but also one of the most perplexing, like Alan Wake 2 slash Matrix Resurrections for your bozo workmate. Floored by how much of this turns into a needlessly dense multi-format meta text for the most brain dead content ever conceived. I'm having a stroke trying to parse together any minor detail. It's like when you first watch The Return, and any question raised only leads to an endless abyss of questions. What part of this is real? Who is Argyle? Is Argyle real? Am I Argyle? Are we all Argyle? Is Argyle behind the Matthew Vaughn cinematic Over ouvre? I don't know I say that wrong. Every moment of this made me physically nauseous, but I will never not be thinking about this again. At the two hour mark, I generally felt like I had unlocked new levels of brain rot. I never thought possible. Like I was the Paul Atreides of stupid. Hmm. And like uh, this is the vibe of a lot of the reviews I've come across from
1: people who yeah, are just I mean, like
0: to me, it's like the movie ain't that it's not that you're just having fun and I hope you are having fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's totally fascinating to compare this to Twin Peaks to return. But <laughs> um know, right? but no i think i don't know like i said i think it's less to do with the movie i think it's just that people's like it just came out the exact wrong time like in the way that like kick-ass and kingsman came out the exact right time like it just i I think it's less the movie is like egregiously terrible and i think it's more just people are kind of fed up with this sort of thing yeah and it's just that like i think you know people got annoyed by the trailers for obvious reasons i think they just Like it, and the thing is, like the movie itself isn't even as annoying as the trailers. Like it it looks way more grating in the promotional materials in the film. Like the movie itself is is almost more lethargic than, than like, you know, like overly like, you know, witty and snappy and all that to me. Like it it felt a little more like ho hum as I was watching it. But, but yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I I think that's the big thing is that just people are just kind of sick of this type of thing. And it's just a very easy, big target. And it's just like they're all just kind of directing their frustrations with this whole thing at this movie because it's the thing that's, you know, the big, bright bullseye mark that they can attack on. And it's like it doesn't not deserve it because it's a pretty mediocre movie. But like I also kind of feel like people are getting like ridiculous in how much they're lambasting this movie.
0: I have seen some people be like Apple Original Films is like, you know, between this and Ghosted and stuff. And I'm like, I guess. But I mean, they've they've. They still have some pretty good stuff under their belt. You know, they had Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Apple Original Films was part of. Napoleon was is definitely an example. Like, yeah, between this Napoleon and the family plan, like it, it's been a few sort of like misses there, but yeah, you still have like, and also the Beanie Bubble. Can't forget about the Beanie Bubble. But I think Tetris did well. Sharper got plenty of acclaim. Spirited, I think people liked more than they expected. Causeway. Uh, there there's still you know i i think that there's still there's still this sort of like when's the next coda i guess which is gonna be i guess killers of the flower moon is close to that i don't know i how you would just in terms of like a critical like mainstream hit i guess but because tragedy uh, beth was a like critically successful mm-hmm. but cha-cha real smooth critics like that too <laughs>
1: i guess so i, I, I would like. say look i'm gonna say that napoleon is a bigger success than cha-cha real smooth but that's just me and I'm oh, not gonna, yeah, sure. But <laughs> with critics uh, though, uh, both I'd say.
0: There's a uh, two Apple original films coming out this year, and I'm I'm not really talking about documentaries. If we're talking about documentaries, I mean, I think there's been great stuff coming from Apple Original, which I would say like still last year was really great. I still like the Velvet Underground documentary; just like blew me away. Really loved it. I, I liked the the Billie Eilish one. Boy State was good. I know they're gonna do Girl State soon but yeah back and, and bc boy story i think we both like that and East also uh, bryce house howard did mm-hmm. that the documentary with apple original yeah. I, for, for I, I think mention i mentioned yeah yeah you I, mentioned I, she no, I... did a doc yeah. yeah dads yeah dads yeah
1: I, I was gonna joke with girls say it's like these dang gender reboots <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow but no in terms of narrative films uh project artemis is going to be coming out in the summer and that's going to be another like kind of rom-com and it's like a greg Berlanti thing so it. It's Scarlett mm. Johansson, Channing Tatum, Jim Rash, Ray Romano, and Woody Harrelson. Ooh, I like Ray Romano. But I just, I have a bad feeling about it. <laughs> uh, and then Wolfs, which is another John Watts thing. So uh, oh. John Watts, we were just talking about, but that's uh, George Clooney and Brad yeah. Pitt co-producing and starring.
1: Yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah.
0: So anyway, just wanted to kind of bring up the apple apple original films aspect of this because i do wonder if matthew Vaughn is going to do more things with apple original or not mm. who knows all
1: yeah. i know is it's not going to involve that argyle
0: <laughs> yeah I, I would be surprised I, I i could sort of see like maybe nods and winks at argyle like if he does another kingsman sort of thing but i don't think that they're gonna i i, I think if they do something else it's going to be like a totally like new debut like oh yeah this is its own thing it's not called argyle or whatever so
1: honestly if in the fourth kingsman movie like they just have an opening scene where like argyle is going to some like arabian club or something and just instantly gets like a bullet to the head and (laughs) just like that's like the way they like dispose it doesn't even make sense that'd be funny that'd be (laughs) it doesn't even make sense because it's like 1980s or whatever and just like the, the way of matthew vaughn being like you guys didn't love argyle so there you go and just like you know has a A pout. I'd be, I'd kind of respect the audacity of something like that, but I don't think that's what's going to happen, but we'll see.
0: And after all this, I think that like, I'm just going to wake up one day and someone's going to be like, the latest, you know, the sequel, uh, Dune part three with screenwriter Jason Fuchs, (laughs) you know, or it's going to be Oppenheimer two with Jason Fuchs, the screenwriter, because that this guy can't be stopped. Wonka 2, I guess.
1: Let's uh, let's play that Ron tomatoes game. Let's well, wrap this up. yeah, well,
0: I did. I did have one other. I had a more positive thing. This is from Benji Got Fried, who said, I've been waiting since 2021 for this after seeing the first poster, and I can happily say my expectations seceded. I think they mean exceeded. They really did a great job promoting this movie. Everything with this movie was very interesting because you didn't know what was or wasn't real. No. The plot twists were way better than I thought they would be. The comedy was great. The action set pieces were all done well and were very entertaining. Cast is absolutely stacked. Henry Cavill is great as Argyle. Dua Lipa is an absolute delight to watch for the amount of screen time she had. Samuel L. Jackson does what he does best. And Brian Cranston is legendary as always. Our two leads, Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard, have really good chemistry with each other and have very interesting stories. The issues I had with this movie, the pacing felt off at certain times, and they certainly could have cut out 15 minutes of screen time. This is definitely a huge win for Matthew Vaughn. He did exactly what he wanted to do, and it all went well. I would definitely recommend this movie, but this definitely isn't for everyone. I can't wait to see everyone's reaction to the Asian Argyle reveal. Bless this person. Mm. I I kind of wonder if this is a sarcastic review. Or um,
1: maybe a plant.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think so, but I do think it's kind of funny. I,
1: I'm generally going kind to of, kind of wonder, though, at this point, like, because Hollywood's why it's the letterboxes point. At some point, they're going to have to, if they're not already going to be putting like plant reviews, right? Like, kind of the way that, you know, like they try to buff up the audience score for, you know, like Rod sure. Tomatoes and stuff. I kind of wonder if they're going to just like have like, you know, some intern, right? Like Argyle, five
0: stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but I, I do love the idea of succeeding expectations in a sense of just like, yes.
0: in the well, wake of Texas, no less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. Rod Tomatoes game. Yeah, yeah. 248 reviews counted. What do the critics have to say about this one? So, Will Ashton, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? Or were you spoiled on it? I uh, think you said you were, only, but...
1: No, the only one I was spoiled on was the Cinema score, which I know is a C plus. So, that's the only thing I yes, know going into this. I heard
0: about that as well. But okay, what do you what do you think? What's your guess?
1: So, I can't imagine the reviews are good, just based on everything. So I'm going to have to say that the critic score is like 38%.
0: It was 38 at one point, and it kind of moved up and down the 30s for a while. When I logged my review, I think it was like a 37. Later on, I think it started to settle at 34. Now it's at 33. And so it fittingly, the the Jesus year, my age. But what about the audience score? Well, actually, we have a thousand plus verified ratings. Do you think audiences are a little nicer, or a little meaner?
1: Much like uh Jesus Argyle have to die, had to die for our <laughs> cinema accents. Uh, just say
0: our sins, but with a C.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our s- yeah. cinema sins.
0: If you want to, if you mm, will. Sure. There
1: you go. You get it. Anyhow, audience score, it has to be a little bit more positive than critics, but I can't imagine. I don't know. Like I, I, I I don't know many people who have seen this movie in person and it doesn't seem like the reviews or reactions I've seen from anybody critic or otherwise has been more than lukewarm at best. So I'm going to say this is probably like a 45% for audience scores. 71%. Well, I'll
0: be dang audiences. I I do think audiences are a little bit like, yeah, okay, this thing has got some issues, but I, I liked it enough. I think that's the vibe I'm kind of getting from, from the consensus there. And, and honestly, like, there, there are some critics who like really liked this movie. So, you know, shout out to them; they're having fun. But okay, so you already mentioned the C plus Cinema score. We'll finish out with uh, the Letterbox rating. And I, I do, I do wonder if you're going to get this. So, uh, sixty seven thousand watches, which more than I expected. But what do you think, Will Ashton? What do you think the average rating is on Letterboxed?
1: Uh, is it like two point seven?
0: so close 2.5 well done well done oh, wow, yeah, a little There's... lower than that which i i definitely would have probably guessed around I and mean, j- just when i was like looking through the like popular reviews i mean one star one star one star two star <laughs> like, it's just people are having a reaction to this one i i think this is definitely like a stoned like so like let's watch a bad movie together kind of thing for some people
1: sure i mean i was curious i mean you you, you allowed me the chance to not watch it but i was just I was seeing so many egregiously, like, you know, wildly negative pans. I was like, well, I'm just kind of curious now. Like, what's what's the deal with this movie? I'm surprised
0: because I like... I, yeah. I didn't think you would want to see it. I, I think you were sort of like, Oops. I don't know. I, you didn't watch Kingsman and Kingsman, I should say. And you didn't like the what's it? The Golden Circle as much. Oops. But yeah, you saw Argyle. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. I think our plan is to do like our next thing should be the top our top movies of the year. I think we hmm. have delayed it enough. I don't want to get into March and we haven't done it yet. Sure. Um, but have have you seen everything that you wanted? To, I know there's at least one Oscar movie you didn't have. You weren't sure you were going to be able to see yet, but uh, Robot Dreams.
1: Yeah, I would like to see that if I can,
0: but uh, I the show must go on. about what was it? The show must go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, there are always movies I want to see before the end of the year list. But at some point, you just kind of have to, you know, be like, this is my list for the episode this is my little time capsule for what i thought were the best movies of the year but i i will say at least for now i feel like i'm more confident in at least like my top eight that i am usually when i put together these lists so that's exciting so yeah we'll see what happens
0: i think i'm the opposite but <laughs> this is definitely my weirdest top 10 uh we've ever done just in terms of like where i'm at with some of these movies but yeah all right well we'll, we'll see you all again later from the internet california i'm john negroni
1: and from the area of Pennsylvania, I'm Agent Ashton. See you next Shaken, time. Shaken, not stirred.